You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So again, thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we are going to be talking about some different SPY short strangles that we backtested. And although the show title is expected versus actual win rates when selling options, we are going to cover that, but we're going to cover a lot more that we learned in just running these two tweaks to this short strangle backtest in SPY. Now, just as a reminder, we are right now in the middle of our big launch of our new options backtesting and trade optimization software, which we are conveniently calling the Toolbox. There's two versions of it. There's the light version, which is now the old watch list and earnings calendar. Not really old, but that's what it's going to be basically placed into. And the newest updated version is called Toolbox Plus, which includes the backtesting software and trade optimization software. If you haven't already, if you're new to the podcast, I highly encourage you to go back in time first, listen to show number 95, because we talk all about the details of what's included, how it works, and run through different scenarios and case studies right there in that podcast. Now, like I said, in today's show, we're going to talk about two different backtested trades that we did in SPY, or backtested strategies. This is really a cool episode because there's so much information that comes out of this, and really, these are the ones that I originally ran a while back. It wasn't about a year ago, but a couple months ago, we started seeing data on these types of trades coming in. And the reality is, is that these trades have a little bit shifted my perspective of how we should be making trades and more so to the area of potentially doing a shorter duration trade as part of our portfolio. So I'll talk about that here towards the end and, and kind of how we're going to maybe start using these things going forward in the future. We're still doing a lot of testing on different things. Uh, this is only one security. It is the major market index, but it's one security and we're doing a lot more testing to see what ultimately is going to be work, working before we roll it out. But that is something that's it's definitely changed my mindset in this, You know, maybe for the better. So the first one that we ran was a very simple 30 days until expiration short strangle on SPY. And we did so with a daily entry. So we looked for new trades every single day, which could easily be found in SPY, insanely liquid, no implied volatility rank whatsoever, no profit-taking exit, and no stop-loss exit. So what we really wanted to see here is we really wanted to first initially test this whole concept of expected versus actual win rates. So if you enter a trade and the win rate on entry is supposed to be X, does it win at X level or does it not or whatever the case is? And so we enter these at, again, 30 days until expiration and then let them go. So they basically went all the way to expiration, win, lose, or draw. It didn't really matter. At expiration, we figured out if we had a profit or not, right? And then we just redid the cycle over and over again for as many trades as we could. On the first test that we ran, we sold options with a short strike delta of 0.2 on either side. So a 20 delta on each side. Now I'm going to pause for a second and just say, this is why this is important as we get further through this episode, is that if you are selling options at a 20 delta, what most people assume 
is that those options mean that it's a 20% chance of being in the money on either end. So combined, there's a 40% chance of the stock being in the money, either up or down by expiration. The inverse of that would be a 60% chance of winning on this trade. That's what most people first assume when they get into this. And I have all the emails to prove that people send this question to me all the time. It's like, Kirk, I don't understand how we can win if we're trading at 60% chance of success. Or you say that you win at 74%, but I see your trades at 58 or 60%. Well, in this case, with this test, we ran everything at a short strike delta of 0.2 and again, let it go all the way to expiration. So on the initial trade, it had about a 60% chance of success. Now, when you factor in that the credit that you receive moves the break-even point out a little bit further. Maybe it's a 65, 66, right? Okay, but it's not like an 80% right off the bat. We can all agree on that probably, right? So let's just say for round numbers, 60% chance of success on trade entry. Well, here's what we found. When we actually ran this test using our backtesting software, we found that the win rate of this strategy was actually almost 80%, 79.6% win rate. That's an insanely high win rate. That is way more than what the initial probability suggested. And this again proves that whole concept about implied volatility being overstated in all market scenarios long term. Now, of course, this strategy had a drawdown at one point of 37%. So it had a pretty decent drawdown. It was actually in 2008, had a pretty decent drawdown during the bottom of the market crash, right? but recovered all of that drawdown. In fact, it only took about 54 days to recover that drawdown, which is pretty crazy, and had really, really good success from then on. I mean, a very smooth, stable equity curve. If you already have access to the backtesting software, you can run this yourself and kind of see the equity curve here. After that small blip in 2008, had a pretty smooth curve from there. So it's not that it didn't have any risk. It's just that implied volatility way overstated long-term, long-term, how much you would actually win. And so that's a real big edge that we talk about is just this overstatement can sometimes be, in this case, almost 20%, an almost 20% overstatement in the win rates for this trade. This trade also won at 104, or sorry, 145% total return compared to the market. That was an annual CAGR of 9.41% and a sharp ratio of 0.62. So really, really well. I mean, it I mean it crushed the market. You go and back to this strategy if you've got access to it, you can see the PL chart. I mean, it was very, very profitable, but obviously it takes a lot of premium to do so. Uh, what was interesting about this one, like I said, is that the average PL that you earned, and when you we compare this to the next one, you'll see the difference here. The average PL that you earned percentage-wise per trade was 37.33%. So a very, very profitable trade, market neutral, always selling premium, ends up working out most of the time. In fact, it only had one down year, which was 2008. It was down 13%. Everything else was up, 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 up. So after this, here's what we decided to do. We decided to go back and make two tweaks to this. And as usually happens, because we've been doing this more often, we don't just want to test one thing. We want to show you how we kind of tweak two little things in here. Now, when you have access to the software, you can do this in one click to edit the back test and go back and make as many tweaks as you want, one or you know five or six different tweaks. In this case, we tweaked two things. One, we tweaked the days until expiration and brought it down to just 
10 days. So we tried to mimic as much as possible a weekly type strategy. So what would the impact be if we reduced it from a monthly strategy? We're still entering daily, so we're still entering the trades every day as much as possible. But the duration of the trades is now 10 days versus 30 days. And instead of selling options at the 20 delta on either end, because we're coming in a little bit closer and we wanted to reduce maybe the gamma risk of the trade, we thought, hey, let's sell the short strikes at the 15 delta, so the one standard deviation level. Now, again, just to be clear, on the second strategy where we're selling the 15 strike delta, that means that we're selling the 15% probability of being in the money options on each side. So combined, they've got a 30% chance of being in the money. On the outside, this trade is expected to win at least 70%, right? So like, let's just use round numbers. It's probably a little bit higher when you factor in the credit and moving the break-even points out, but I just want to you know, use round numbers and the concept here for this video or this podcast that it's about a 70% win rate, which is ultimately where most of our trades want to be. Now, when we actually ran this test, and this is what is so crazy about this one, this one was originally a couple months ago, the one that I ran where I was like, there's no way that this test did this well. And we started doing more and more testing to find out what variables actually work. And so these variables, I don't think are optimized, but I think something around this ends up working really well. And we're going to start trading it in our own portfolio very soon. But when we ran this test, we saw 125% return, which was less than the monthly strategy just so you guys know. So on a monthly basis, the monthly strategy won at a much higher return. The annual Kager with the weekly strategy was 8.48%. So again, compared to the monthly strategy, which was 9.41%, the weekly strategy did not perform as well. Now look, this is stuff that we know. This is not new information. I've been saying for years now that weekly strategies, although they collect more premium, although they might have some benefits, which we'll go through here in a second, they do not ultimately become more profitable than a monthly strategy. Monthly strategies still beat them out, and this is evident even in running this test. But what was crazy about this test is the dramatic improvement in sharp ratio. We went from a sharp ratio of 0.62% to 7.6%, which was a huge improvement and a massive stabilization in our equity curve. For those of you who are have access to the backtesting software, please go run this test because this is the type of test that is uh, really like kind of game changing and just seeing like how stable a portfolio could be, maybe with another weekly component in it. Not to say that's the only thing that we would do, but it's another weekly component that we could add to stabilize our returns and stabilize our equity growth. When you look at the consistency metrics, which is again kind of like the point of this podcast, the win rate on the weekly strategy at the 15 delta, instead of being 70%, which is what the the probability suggested, it was 82%. So it won 12% more than the probability suggested. And in case I forgot to mention it, again, no profit taking, no IV rank, no stop loss. We just let everything go to expiration, especially on the 10-day trades. You didn't really collect a lot in premium. So you let everything go to expiration, you know, kind of win, lose, or draw and, and total up from there. But what was really interesting was the drawdowns. Even on the weekly trades, you only had a max drawdown of 13% in the portfolio at any time. And that's a really, really low drawdown. So that's why the sharp ratio was so much higher is because although your gains were less, the stabilization of your equity curve or your PL line 
was so much smoother because you didn't have as many drawdowns that it created this like opportunity to have a much higher sharp ratio, which is I think ultimately what people want. I know that like when I look at you know optimizing trades through our trade optimizer, I'm generally more concerned with sharp ratio than I am with return. I want you know stable risk adjusted returns. I mean obviously it's got to be profitable, but I want stable risk adjusted returns so that my sequence of returns doesn't get out of whack like what happened in Apple in show number 94 where you looked at call debit spreads there. Obviously, in both cases, we made an insane amount of trades. The reality is, though, that the weekly options, you collected much less premium. On average, you collected $66 versus $172 on the monthly trades. So again, a few times the weekly premiums by three, or I'm sorry, a few times, yeah, the the weekly premiums by three, because we did 10-day trades, and times that $66 by three, if you did those weekly trades three times in one month, your average premium was $198 in total for the weekly trades per month compared to a monthly contract, which was 190 or 172 So again, this is a concept I talk about a lot that I've mentioned numerous times. The weekly contracts will always collect more premium, but you just don't keep as much premium as the monthly contracts. So if you're concerned about total return monthly contracts if you're concerned about weekly you know like portfolio growth and stabilization of your equity smooth equity curve then maybe weeklies if you're concerned about both do a little bit of both right so that's why I talk about having a dynamic approach to how we do we do all this here at option alpha now when we scroll down even further and again look at things like profitability on the pnl basis per trade Remember that our first strategy, which was the monthly, the P&L per trade was 37.33%. That was the average. In this case, the average was 40.87. So uh, even though we were collecting a little bit more money on the weeklies, and even though it didn't win as much, like on a P&L basis, we still have pretty high P&Ls per individual trade. It's just that they really never totaled up to the the big gains that we made with the monthly contracts. And again, it was much smoother for sure, which is what all these numbers suggest, a much smoother growth in your portfolio, but maybe at the sacrifice of total returns. So better premiums that you collected, better P&L percentages, but in the case of total overall growth, you just never really caught up to the monthly portfolio. So I think this one is really, really important. And and obviously, one of the ones I wanted to kind of finish this little series on before we get into some different types of topics and testing on the podcast as we get ready to launch our Profit Matrix report coming out in the 100th episode, which is crazy that we're already so close to doing that. And the reason I want to do this is because, again, this dynamic approach to looking at backtesting and research now is so different than what most people are taught. And and we've really learned a lot in the last couple of years doing this is you know, making changes to our portfolio based on different market situations and realizing that one, there's not a one-trick pony, one-size-fits-all strategy, but maybe these combination or fluid movements between these strategies at any given point to create the best combination of, of these two. So we want the returns that the monthly have, but we also want the stability that the that the weekly contracts have. And so for us, we know that those weekly contracts are maybe going to become a bigger part of what we do. We just want to do more testing around this. And so SPY was the first that we really kind of saw that, you know, raised our eyes and said, you know, hey, we really need to 
look about how we can add this into the portfolio because we knew all these things about, you know, it not making as much as the monthlies, you know, the premiums being higher, just not keeping them. We knew all that, but what we didn't know at the time and what we know now is that the stability that a monthly, that a weekly contract adds to a portfolio could be worth it in most cases. And so although it might not be this exact setup, maybe you do something with profit targets or maybe even stop losses with weeklies, we think that you know having this in our portfolio moving forward might be very, very beneficial. So we're going to be rolling something out like that in the near future. Once we get some more testing done on it, I want to really kind of hone in on what we're what we're working with first before we start rolling it out in mass to our members, obviously. So I hope you guys enjoyed this little case study again on SBY short strangles. Hopefully you got a ton of value out of it. Again, if you want to learn more about our options backtesting software and trade optimization software, we're calling the toolbox. Head on over to optionalpha.com slash toolbox. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now, here's today's question. Kirk, my name is Julian. I have a question regarding iron condors in terms of the the in-the-money probabilities. When selling these, you recommend that you sell both legs at approximately 15% of the being in the money probability. However, the iron condor consists of two separate credit spreads. And if I was selling these separately, I would be looking for 30% in the money probability with both the call and the put spread. Please explain why this rationale is not used in the iron condor. All right. Hey, Julian, thanks so much for submitting the voicemail. I got to ask you right off the bat, and if you're listening to this, shoot me an email, let me know, did you use voice changing software or is that really your voice? Because it was deep and it sounded like it was voice changing software. So look, if anybody wants to use voice changing software or whatever, you don't want to say your name on this, the recording, just let me know. I'll be happy to you know, make those additions and edits out so you, you know, have privacy if you want to. So, but Julian, your question was, you know, really, why do iron condors, you know, you need to sell them at 15%, but credit spreads, you do 30% as a standalone. And the reason that we do this is because both of those trades, when you create them, so iron condors where you sell each side at a 15 delta or 15% probability of being in the money and credit spreads when you sell one side, at 30% as a standalone, both of those trades end up winning 70% of the time. It all has to do with your expectation of where the market's going to go. So if you think that the market's going to stay neutral, then you want to do the iron condor and you want to widen out your break-even points, but take exposure on both sides, meaning sell options on both sides. They're going to be wider than a traditional credit spread because you're trying to capture the market or, or basically catch the market inside of a zone. With a credit spread, you've got much more of a directional assumption, whether you're playing the market higher or playing the market lower. So you can afford to come in a little bit closer when selling one side because now you've got the other side completely open. There's no exposure if the stock runs the direction you want as far as you want it to go, right? So that's why you know we do these with the, those different price levels and those different probabilities because we still want to get about a 70% chance of success as like a standard benchmark that we do with most of our trades, but it just depends on the dynamic of the market that we're in and, and really what our portfolio needs. What we 
haven't talked about here or in the last couple of questions is again, just asking these questions to yourself about portfolio balance. You know, does your portfolio need another iron condor or do you need some bullish or bearish exposure, right? Maybe you are already have 10 bullish trades. You need a bearish trade and you don't need anything else neutral. So you enter a bearish trade. So that fits the overall portfolio just a little bit better. Remember, if you'd like to get your question answered here on the podcast or live on Facebook, as I've been doing every single day, head on over to optionalpha.com and click the big red button in the middle of the screen and leave me a private voicemail. Again, there's no software to download or install. It's incredibly easy. And if you're like Julian, and if you want to change your voice, or if you did, I don't know if you did or not, then feel free to do that or we can edit your name out. You don't have to say anything. You can say as much as you want. We will obviously respect your privacy if you just want to submit your question and add it to the podcast. Now, again, just as another reminder, we are right in the middle of the major launch for our backtesting and optimization software. You can learn more about it and watch some demo videos. Also, check out real demos of the software for free over at optionalpha.com slash toolbox. Again, if you're a lifetime member, if you choose to upgrade to the lifetime membership, you get access to everything that we have at Option Alpha for one-time investment, never to be rebuilt again. And you get access to all of our software now and in the future. Anything that we release in the future, you will have access to. Again, you can check out more about the lifetime membership by going to optionalpha.com slash lifetime. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, so in today's closing bell segment, I want to go over a new trade that we're getting into in FXE. So FXE for the next expiration month is our first position that we're getting into today. We're selling the 109 Iron Butterfly really wide here in FXE again. So we think that it's a, a pretty good trade. We like the Iron Butterflies in FXE. It's had a huge move, actually. I mean, from really the end of or beginning of April, it's moved from 103 all the way up to 109 at the time that we're doing this. And so it's just been all over the place and, um, you know, really kind of running up. What's interesting about this and, and why we're doing this trade 60 days out now is because what we see in FXE is that it's running into our technical signals that we found through the signals research for being really, really overbought. So all three of the major indicators that we use for overbought levels in this time frame, we're starting to see that all three of those are getting hit. And so that means that FXE, although it could continue higher, the pace at which it's going to continue higher should stall here. Not that it's going to turn over, not that it's 100% going to reverse course all the way, obviously, but the pace at which it's going to increase is going to stall or stop completely. And that's what we found with these technicals. And so that's good for us because when we trade an iron butterfly, we just want it to stay range bound from here. And so by selling the 109 iron butterfly, basically buying options out on either end about $6, we end up taking in a pretty decent credit of about $240. And so now we give FXE a range of 240 up and down. So almost a $5 range from within where it's trading right now. That's a pretty big range given where it's it's moved. I don't think that it's going to move outside of that range by expiration. I mean, obviously it could, but this is the first trade that we're going to make in FXE and we're going to continue to ladder into more positions. So like many of you have probably seen in some of the backtesting and some of the stuff that we put out is that frequency is definitely a factor that increases not only win rates, but also reduces drawdowns and increases 
gains, not only in Kagers, but also sharp ratios. So that's something that we're going to continue to do is add more to this if FXE continues to move. But for now, we feel comfortable getting in here about 60 days out and starting to build a position in the Euro Trust. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's show and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources, links mentioned in the show, and some related video training from today's show by going to optionalpha.com slash show 97. Again, that's just the number 97, optionalpha.com slash show 97. And again, if you're interested in learning more about our options backtesting software and trade optimization software, which we are conveniently calling the toolbox, you can head on over to optionalpha.com slash toolbox and learn all about it there, including checking out some free demos and learn how to use the software before you actually go ahead and purchase your lifetime access. Until next time, happy trading.